Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Man, it is good to be at church today. Uh, like Matt said, man, that was a great introduction. I, I haven't been introduced like that in a while. And uh, he did it yesterday. He was like, this is Logan. I'll see you later. Today, he turned it on. But my, like Matt said, my name is Logan, and um, man, it is a privilege and an honor to be speaking to this church, not just because uh, it, it's always a privilege and an honor to be speaking at a church, but because this is our church. Like, this, this is our family's church. And uh, this is like 9 a.m. is like, this is our service. So you guys are our people. So uh, I'm, I'm honored also to uh, serve under some great pastors. I think that we have some of the, great, uh, the greatest pastors here. And so can you all give it up for Pastor Joe and Pastor Gina? I brought a picture of my family. Everyone say, ah, yeah. That's Tracy, my wife. Uh, she's the one on the right. I know she looks just as young as the one on the left. But uh, my, my right, your left. Uh, that's tr- my wife, Tracy. Uh, she's a, she, man, she's my, my confidence. She's my greatest supporter. Uh, Jaden, she is our 14-year-old daughter. Uh, anybody in here ever have or have a uh, 14-year-old daughter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be prayer for you right up here, right after service. But no, she's super talented, great musician. Um, our son, Knox, he, he is the, the youngest, the newest addition to the Reinhardt household, uh, learning how to walk, which is amazing because he's a big baby. Like, he's a big baby. And uh, so now that he's walking, uh, my back is healing, so it is fantastic. He's starting to point. It's really cute until, like, you're in the grocery store and you're in the pasta aisle and he's just pointing at a random stranger, like, the whole way through. And you're like, oh, this is, this is, this is awkward. I want to preach a message called Own Your Faith. O-W-N, Own Your Faith. I wanted to come up with something really cool and witty, but I just figured, you know what, let's just call it what it is. Let's own our faith. So today, this morning, would you pray with me? God, we just thank you so much. You're a good God. You're a God who loves us. You're a God who speaks to us. You're a God who's with us every single day. So, Lord, I pray that this morning, that, Lord, you would speak to us today in a unique way. Would you open our ears? Would you open our eyes and let us see you in a new light? Let us just get uh, just on fire for you today, God. Let us turn serious for you today, Lord. We thank you. And, Lord, side note, we just ask that you keep going with the Cleveland Browns. Would they just keep on winning? In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. We are due. I heard that, but I will, acknowledge, I will not acknowledge what he said. I like it when I'm preaching, and uh, I like it when there's a little bit of noise. I like it when I'm preaching, and whenever I'm preaching a little bit good, I like it when people preach back at me. So if I'm preaching good and I'm making some good points, I just want you to know it's okay for you to say, hmm, that's good. It's okay for you to say, come on. It's okay for you to shout it out and say, preach it. Uh, you can even get like bilingual and see, ben camigo, mi amigo. You can say, you can just make a noise and say, woo. You can say, oh, You can even say, like, you can even get creative and just say, let that wild hog eat. Like, I don't know what it means, but it sounds spiritual. If you want, you can even say, I got the horses in the back. But I want you to have something. I want you to have one phrase that when I'm preaching good, that is your go-to. So uh, it's not just for the front two rows, okay? We're going to the front to the back. Everyone's got something. Because I'm going to count the three, and I want you to just shout out whatever it is, your one phrase is, okay? 
Say yeah. All right. Here we go. One, two, three. Ooh, we are ready. We are ready. My wife and I, we've been married for five years. Five years really isn't that long a time. I think that when you compare uh, marriage to maybe to other people that have been married for 25, 30, 35, 40 years, when you break it down, five years is not that long. But I believe that five years is long enough for you to really get to know somebody. I believe that I know my wife better than anybody else. I believe that my wife knows me better than anybody else. But there's things that happen that as you've been married to someone for five years, you know things about them that maybe nobody else notices. I can be in a, a public setting with my wife and I can be on one side of the room and then she can be on the exact opposite in a conversation. All I have to do is look at her and notice right away, she's either really enjoying that conversation or she is like, get me out of here. I know that when my wife answers the phone and she's like, hello, this is Tracy. I, the next sentence, I know either this is going to be a good conversation or this conversation isn't going to be that great. My wife does this thing where uh, she, she smiles and she tilts her head at like a 15 degrees. It looks like this. Now, 15 degrees, smile, 15 degrees, always the hip hop, okay? Now, if she gives me that smile, I can, I can just catch it out of the corner of my eye and just go, whoa, hey, I don't know what I did, I don't know what I said, but girl, I see you. I'm doing all right for myself. Now, there's a subtle change, five years, not that long, but it's long enough for me to really get to know my wife, and if she does a 20 degree angle, a bigger smile, and her eyes get a little bit bigger, and it looks like this. It's not good. Guys, do you know what I'm talking about? When you get that look, it is not good. If I say, hey, you want to grab some ice cream, and we're standing in line, and I'll say, I'll get a small cookie dough ice cream, and I say, what do you want? And she says, oh, that's okay. I'll just have a bite of yours. I'm not ordering a small anymore because she's not just taking a bite. She's taking like 15, and half my ice cream cone is gone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Five years of marriage. Number one thing I've learned. Marriage is not accidental. Marriage is intentional. Was really hoping for like an amen. I got the horses in the back. Guys, I'm, I am setting you up for a win for you to go, amen, preacher, come on. Marriage is not accidental. It is intentional. A little bit better. We're still working on it. I get it. But that's how it goes, I believe, for like every relationship, is that if you just accidentally go through with it, whether it's family or whether it's friends, it really just doesn't really work out that much. But it's not until you become intentional about that relationship does it begin to grow. It's not until you say, you know what, uh, I'm taking my spouse out, we're making date nights a regular thing, we're going on vacation, we're making memories, that's when intentionality steps in. That's when you start to own the relationship. When you own the relationship and you become intentional with it, it begins to grow. Here's what ownership is. Ownership is the realization that no one else is going to take responsibility. When you own something, you're the one who is solely responsible for it. I didn't know this, but uh, when we got married, we were going to be plant people. Now, before we got married, I knew two types of plants, grass and trees. That's all I knew. 
But when we got married, we would specifically be houseplant people. So now when you walk into our house, we have succulents. You walk into the kitchen, we got like 10 ferns. You go into the dining room, we have plants hanging from the ceiling. We've got cactuses. We've got all these different types of plants. I had no idea, but, but my wife did. Like she, she knew. I didn't know it, but we were going to be houseplant people. I'm pretty sure that now we have more plants inside of our house than we do outside of our house. One day, uh, I came home, and like, all the plants were just gone. No idea where they went. Also didn't care. <laughs> and so as time goes on, I just go into the bathroom, and, and there's one of the plants is just kind of peeking around the, the curtain of the shower. That's not where plants go. So I pull back the curtain, every single one of our plants is inside of the shower. What are we doing, building a rainforest here? Like, what is happening? I'm like, are plants like teenagers that after a while they just have a really bad smell to them and you just gotta bathe them every, like what is going on? And so I go, Trace, why are all of our plants in the shower? And she yells back, because they need a good soaking. I didn't know plants needed a good soak. I thought you just water them and, and live with life and, and they just grow. But I, I, it's not like a mind-boggling thing. It's not nuclear physics. But here's the thing is that if you take ownership of the plants, you are responsible for the plants. If you don't water the plants, they do not grow. They die. That, I mean, that's just a way of life. It, it's common sense. What you reap is what you sow. What you deposit into your bank account, you cannot withdraw. I've tried it. You can't take more out. You just get penalized for it. You go to the gym, you work out. The more you work out, the bigger your muscles become. This is not a body that works out. After 26, 27 years old, if you are not intentional about working out and you are a guy, you just get what the kids call a dad bod. This is a dad bod. You have to be intentional. I heard the amen and I appreciate it. <laughs> you have to be intentional. And I believe that it is the exact same way when it comes to your relationship with God is that you have to take ownership of it. You can't just let it accidentally happen, but you've got to be responsible for it. Come on. The problem is, is that as life goes on, Life just seems to happen. I think for many of us, like, we have great intentions on being close to God. We have great intentions on growing with God, getting in the word, starting to pray more, wanting to go to church more, volunteering more. But as life goes on, life just begins to happen. Here's the biggest truth, is that if the devil can't take you from God, he'll distract you from God. If the devil can't take you from him and make you turn around and walk away from God, he will just distract you with whatever he can. So what is your distraction? What is keeping you from God? Maybe for you, it's busyness. Maybe as life goes on, you just became busier and busier and busier. Work gave you more responsibilities. Little Kim, she needs to go to cheerleading practice. Johnny, he needs to go to karate practice. By the time you get home, you make dinner, you mow the grass, you do the laundry, you clean the house, you do all that. Ah! All I want to do is just sit down. You didn't turn away from God. You didn't walk away from God. You just got busy. Maybe for you, your, your distraction from God is hurts. Maybe somebody in the church hurt you. Maybe a pastor hurt you. 
Maybe for a while you kind of walked away from God, and after that one hurt, you said, I, I, I love God, I, I like the idea of God, but I'm never getting that committed to him anymore because I just got hurt. So now I'm just going to play it safe. I'm just going to attend church. I'm just going to be an observer. I'm going to be a watcher, but I'm not going to be a participant. Maybe you got hurt because you prayed for something, and that prayer didn't get answered. You didn't walk away from God after it. You just said, maybe God's not as real as I thought he was. The devil might not be able to take you from God, but he will distract you from God. Maybe it was bad decisions. Maybe if you were to be honest, you've done some things or you made some choices that really, if you were to be honest, you're embarrassed about it. You're ashamed about it. You walk into church and you go, oh, I don't know if I deserve this. You feel like maybe I made some, some choices in my life that really I probably shouldn't have done, and now it just kind of has distracted me from God. I got to be honest, when I was writing this message, I didn't really want to preach on this. But every single time I tried changing it, I just felt like God said, no, 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 I want you to preach on what I want you to preach on. Because me, I wanted to preach on something cool. I wanted to preach on like David and Goliath, conquering the giants. That's what I wanted. I wanted to preach on like the image of God and like what, what he sees you as. And then I wanted people to leave church and be like, ooh, I'm more than a conqueror. Ooh, I'm chosen by God. Like, like those are uh, like uplifting messages, but I'm, uh, I'm writing out this message called Own It. <laughs> I'm like giving people homework when they're leaving. I'm like, oh, sorry about this. The more I thought about it, though, the, the more I realized this is my story. For, for many of us, this is our story. We have great intentions on getting close to God, but what happens is, is that life just happens, and when we look back, we realize, I haven't grown at all with God. I just kind of stayed the same, or I've just kind of drifted away. Life just happened. I just got distracted. But I believe this is what we need to say in every season that we go through, is that seasons change, but every season is mine. Life goes up and life goes down, but every season is mine. Maybe more importantly, every season is mine to do with God. Yeah, yeah, but the season I'm in is busy. The season I'm in, I've never been this busy. I've never been this distracted. I've got more things going on than I ever have. The good news is, is this, is that God is not looking for the time spent with him, but a life devoted to him. The good news is that we don't have these boxes that we have to check and say, all right, God, I read for five minutes. I prayed for five minutes. I went to church this week. I tithed this month. God, I'm checking all the boxes. I should be close to you by now, right? No, no, no. God is not looking for that. He is looking for this every single day, this life, this longevity, this marathon of devotion to him. We just, uh, pun fully intended, we just kicked off the greatest season of the year. It is football season. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan in here, let me hear you shout. Woo! Come on, I know there's some Steelers fans in here. If you're a Steelers fan in here, let me, we just don't have time for that. We gotta, we gotta get in the word of God. I'm sorry, we don't have time. I, I, I'm a Browns fan. If you're a Browns fan, you're a real fan. Because I'm not a Browns fan just because we're winning. Because that don't happen. I'm not a Browns fan because we go to the Super Bowl because that hasn't happened. I'm not a fan because we have one coach for the last 10 years or one quarterback even for the last 20 years. We have like a different quarterback every game. 
I'm not a Browns fan just because I'm at the game. I'm not a Browns fan because we scored a touchdown or because we're doing really good. I'm a Browns fan. I think you know where I'm going with this. I'm a Browns fan because I made a choice to be a Browns fan. I'm not a follower of Christ because life is going good. I'm not a follower of Christ because I feel like I'm a winner. I'm a follower of Christ even when I feel like I'm a loser. I'm a follower of Christ all the time. Every season of my life, I've made a decision to own my faith. And in every season of life, I made a decision that I'm going to walk out my life with God by my side. Because I know that if I take ownership of my faith today, it will prepare me for tomorrow. Yeah, come on, Sunday morning. Woo. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, it says this. It says, for everything there is a season. Turn to the person next to you and say, there is a season. Turn to the person on the other side of you that you clearly do not like as much and tell them as well, there is a season. <laughs> for there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, probably houseplants, and a time to harvest. A time to kill, haven't found that one yet, and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. Wait, there's more. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. I'm really good at the speaking part, not so much the quiet part. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What season are you in? Because the greatest thing that we can do is realize and recognize what season we're in. Are we in a good season or a bad season? Are we in one that's receiving or one that's giving? Once you re realize what season that you're in, the greatest thing that we can do is do it with God. I, I, love, uh, I love fun seasons. I think that's obvious. Like We just got back from vacation, and my, my perfect vacation is doing nothing. Like, beach, nothing. My wife, like she'll get her phone out, and whenever I see this, oh, it's not good. Because she's going to find that one place and be like, oh, five stars. I found it. It's the perfect spot to go to. There's hiking. We only have to hike 10 miles to get there. The kids are going to hate it, but I'm going to love it. I'm like, no, I want to do nothing. I love the seasons of life where like, I just kind of get to just have fun. But you know what seasons of life that we learn the most in are the seasons that are horrible. The seasons that hurt to go through, the seasons of life that we go and we learn the most through, if we're willing to do it with God, are the ones that on the other side of it, once it's finished, we will learn the most about ourselves and we will learn the most about God. There's a story about John and Peter, and, and uh, John and Peter, they know Jesus pretty well. They spend a lot of time with Jesus. There came a point, as, as we know how the story goes, is that the Pharisees approached Jesus, they confronted him, they put him on trial, and Jesus is crucified. He's buried. Three days later, he's resurrected. He reveals himself to all these disciples, and he says, it is better for me to go away so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. So in Acts, where the story builds up, 
is that the whole book of Acts is about the disciples going throughout the area, preaching in the name of Jesus, and seeing signs, and seeing miracles, seeing healings, and so that's where John and Peter are. John and Peter are going throughout all this town, and they're healing people, and they're spreading the name of Jesus. And so the whole town loves them, except for a group of people called the Sadducees. These Sadducees are, are these religious leaders. And they approach John, and they approach Peter, and they threaten them, and they say, I think we're going to send you into jail. Now, for us, a lot of times, we, we look at jail, and we just go, oh, jail is just nothing more than time out. Like, we're just going to shut you up. Why don't you go in this box? Like, just be quiet for a little bit. We're going to keep moving forward. But for John and Peter... They knew and they saw what happened to Jesus. So for them, jail wasn't just like, be quiet. Jail was, you're going to go here and you're probably going to die. And so the Sadducees tell them, you either quit preaching and you quit spreading the name of Jesus or you're going to jail. If it was me, I'd be like, we're done. The healing booth is now closed. Uh, what about my ankle? No, 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 no. We're done. No more healing. Ain't going to jail for you. It's over. The Bible says that the Sadducees, they couldn't find a way to put John and Peter in jail. And so what they did is they, they had to let them go. They couldn't find a way because the people that they healed, the people that they told about Jesus, they loved them so much that they were afraid they were going to put a riot on the Sadducees. And so John and Peter were released. They run back to this house that they're in. All the other disciples are there. And they just gather everyone together and they begin to pray. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 28, this is how they pray. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I mean, it sounds like an ordinary prayer until you really break it down. Because what they prayed for, they said, Lord, hear their threats. My next sentence wouldn't be, give me boldness. My next sentence would be, Lord, hear their threats, and would you kill the Sadducees? I mean, right? Like, like gruesome, like God, heads on platters, kind of kill, like get them out of here. I mean, it makes sense. Just, just take them out. I think that sometimes we, we just want to go through life and say, God, take away all the obstacles. But I love the way they prayed. They didn't say, Lord, take them away. They said, give me boldness. The other thing that they did is they said, uh, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant. God, the, the same things that were going to get me thrown into jail, the same things that were going to get us taken away, possibly killed, I want more of that. Why? Because John and Peter took ownership of the situation and realized that only they were responsible for healing those people. Only they were responsible for telling those people about Jesus. No one else. They had to own it. Life is tough, tough sometimes. I don't believe that it's up to us to quit. I think that it's typically us, up to us to own it. Sometimes marriage gets tough. I don't think that we need to start praying and saying, God, would you take away my marriage? I think we need to start praying and saying, God, would you help me be bold? God, would you help me to step up? God, would you give me patience in ways that I've never had patience before? Maybe your kids are crazy. Ooh, Lord, I'm preaching now. Maybe we don't need to look up how to get our kids in a, a foreign exchange program so that they go away. Maybe, uh, I got an amen on that one, nice. <laughs> Maybe it's up to us to, to pray and say, God, would you help me? Help me be the best parent I can be. 
Help me every single day to be the best role model and to show them who Christ is every single day of my life. Lord, would you help me to live out Psalms 24, 15, which says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you take ownership of your responsibilities, that's when things start to change. A couple years ago, um, we have these friends that started this nonprofit called A Place to Call Home. And uh, they're great people. They started a nonprofit, people. They're great people. And uh, this nonprofit, they were responsible for taking in kids that have aged out of uh, foster care. So uh, these kids turned 18, and the foster system just kind of told them, good luck. We hope you make it. Typically, they don't. Typically, they find themselves in addiction. Typically, they find themselves in jail. But these people took on the responsibility to say, no, we'll be responsible for them. And so every year, they take in kids into their house, and um, they teach them everyday skills, just how to win at life. And so before they opened, they gave us a tour of, uh, of the, the place that they, they started. And we just walk into that place, and there's this little girl there. Now, these people used to be foster parents, so I kind of assumed that she was a foster kid. And she walked up to me, and she said, hi. And I said, hey, what's up, sport? And no sooner did she walk away did I feel like the Holy Spirit just, like, drop-kicked me in the chest and spoke to me and said, you need to take care of this little girl. And so we get more of the tour, and we go up the stairs, and we turn the corner, and she's standing right there. Hi, I'm a car. What are you, a ghost? <laughs> like, touching her to make sure she's real? Hi. Hey. She runs away, and again, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to take care of this little girl. So I go home, I tell my wife about what happened, and uh, I end up making a phone call to that guy, and I said, hey, man, I just want to let you know, like, this is a really, this is really weird. But uh, I can't stop but think that I'm supposed to take care of that little girl. And he goes, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, are you going to tell me anything else? He goes, well, she's not in foster care. I'm like, okay, this is awkward. <laughs> she's like, he said, uh, well, she used to be, but she, she's not anymore. And I said, all right, well, uh, if anything ever comes up, just let me know. And I think like two weeks later, I get a phone call and says, hey, you know that little girl that you're asking about? I just want to let you know she's coming back into foster care. And I said, what? Wait, what should I do? He goes, I don't know. I just want to let you know. Like, you're the worst person to give news. <laughs> He said, I would probably just go get your foster care license just in case anything happens, but it probably won't. I said, all right. So we went out, and it took us six months, and we got our foster care license. And uh, it was like the, the very next week that we finished our, our classes in foster care, and we went through all the inspections. That little girl that God spoke to, to me and said, take care of this little girl, like she moved into our house. I wish that was like the best part of the story, you know. And we, we noticed that, um, I don't know if you've ever known anybody that has gone through foster care before, but uh, it sucks. <laughs> it's not fun. It's hard. It's really hard work. It takes a toll on you. And um, there came a point in time where she moved back in with family, and it was just kind of like this, okay, I thought we were supposed to take care of her, and now what are we supposed to just walk away? You're just supposed to give up? And we're out of town, and we get a phone call, and on that phone call, they said, uh, hey, that little, um, that little girl that used to live with you guys, we just want to let you know we're on our way to go pick her up. We were wondering if uh, she could move back into your house. But before you say yes, you need to understand that if she moves back into your house, it's probably going to be forever. And so my wife and I, you know, we're, we're taking a plane ride back home, and we were just talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And like, man, are we ready to do this? Are we, are we capable of doing this? Like, it's been a long journey. I think the biggest thing that stepped out to us was the moment that we looked at each other and said, what do you think God wants us to do? 
we felt like God just said, you need to take care of that little girl. You need to own this season of your life. You need to be responsible for her because maybe nobody else will. And so we stepped up and we told them, yeah, two months later, whatever months later it was, we ended up completing the adoption. And now we don't just call her a foster kid. We call her our daughter. But every part of that has to take place when you're willing to say, I'll own it. God, what do you have for me? I'm so glad I took the opportunities early in my youth to say, God, how do you speak to me? And I found out that God doesn't speak to you this way. God speaks to you here. And when you can focus your attention on how God speaks to you and how God is going to communicate to you, then you're willing to be ready to own every season of your life, being ready to take on every obstacle, no matter what's in front of you. For some of us, we used to be really close to God. We had great ambitions to be close to God, but life just happened. And maybe for some of us, we just kind of drifted away from God. And I want to pray a prayer tonight or this morning that's just about coming back to God. I also want to pray a, a prayer for you, for some of you that have never made the decision to take ownership of your faith. And the first step is to take ownership of the creator of your faith and step into salvation with Jesus. It says in Romans 10.9, it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Another version simply puts that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I get every head in here bowed and every eye closed. The ability to step into salvation and a relationship with God is so simple. It's nothing more than a prayer from your mouth and taking ownership in your heart. But everybody just repeat this prayer after me. No one prays alone, everyone together. Jesus, thank you for giving me your life. Now I give you mine. I believe you are the savior of my life. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.